the Fan Fiction Tapes. I'm your host today, Maya, pronouns she, her, and I'm joined by... I'm Badger, pronouns he, him. And as always, I'm our producer, Ian. My pronouns are also he, him. Today's episode is a podcast of our own, which is all about the comedic themes of satire and parody. And these are... Well, I guess to start us off, we need to define these. These are not actually uncommonly confused for each other, and the Google definitions don't really help with that much. Satire generally is making fun of someone or something through pointing out vices or flaws. Rich people, world leaders, and governments are all pretty common targets of satire. Uh, I believe Shakespeare is a really well-known satire author. Uh, Parody, however, kind of more imitates person or a work to be funny. If you're familiar with the Minecraft music videos such as TNT, Revenge, and Fallen Kingdom, popular during the early 2010s, that's weird to say. Those are all pretty good examples of this. People can be parodied, but it'd be good to remember last week's episode about acceptable targets because it's real easy, easy to get kind of spicy there. Yeah, satire can get cruel. Yes. Um, I was actually parodied in high school. <laughs> um, I didn't use my lockers much in high school, so I started using a backpack that would have better back support for me. Uh, and that meant that I had a external frame hiking bag on because that was really the only thing I had that had any form of actual back support in terms of a bag. So I was in scouting. And this made me stick out a lot. I was probably the only kid in a uh, 4,000 kid school who had a external frame hiking bag. I was tall enough already, so I stuck out in the hallways like a sore thumb. And our, jun- our junior year students would do plays. And of course, um, there was a kid who was excessively nerdy and had a hiking backpack on in every single play. Now, I found that funny as shit, but it's real easy for that to have seriously hurt me if things turned out a little bit differently. Uh, That's kind of an example of how you want to be careful with that. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's also really, really easy to um, just keeping, keeping in the ruling of punching up and not down is sort of like the way to describe that. Like, it's it's better to take shots at people who are quote unquote above you sociologically than those who are quote unquote beneath you. Um, and what what I mean by that, not in terms of like a condescension way, but in terms of like a status way in the global scheme of things, like it is super cruel to target individuals of like coworkers, uh, friends, um, like schoolmates. Like that, that sort of thing is like it's really untread ground, and you have to be really, really sure to to know that you know that that would be okay. Meanwhile, like the president of the United States, like you know, get the get the two by four, yeah, get the two <laughs> by four, guys. give it your best whack. Um, so like, yeah, like it, it's so punch up, don't down, don't punch down is sort of like the the best way of describing it. Um, I've been doing parody and satire for the past six months. Uh, via, via increasingly unhinged tweets about uh, fandom shipping. And it's like parodying a satirical take on fandom shipping where it's just like, well, what if one of them was a fish and one of them was a fisherman? Um, that sort of deal. And uh, the other thing I would say about parody and satire is like the, the, the thing that I strive for when I make it is I don't want the laugh, a laugh. What I want is anger. Like I want someone to be like frustrated at me for making this, uh, and like in in like a good wholesome way, where like the eye roll, like the the scoff and the eye roll is the, is the is the aim, um, because it's too stupid to be offensive. Like that's the that's the whole thing. We're like, well, just like writing flowery uh, language around one of them being a pilot, uh, and doing like a parody of like a cheating arc when they flew another plane, you know, that sort of thing, um. And the joke is the absurdism. And that's the other thing that I've always always found about satire, too, is that, like, the more absurd you get, the more fun it is in the sense that, like, um, a lot of comedy 
is is like just adding absurdism to observation. Um, like a really, really good example of this, and this is one of my favorite like comedic bits of all time, uh, is there's an episode of The Simpsons where Sideshow Bob walks out onto the front yard and steps on a rake uh, and then turns and steps on another rake and then continues to step on rakes. Uh, and the first time he gets hit with a rake, it's funny. And then he gets progressively less funny the longer he walks and steps on rakes. And then suddenly him stepping and stepping on rakes, getting hit over and over again becomes the joke. And now it's funny again. Like it goes a full circle. Um, and that's sort of something that just decided to become a parody of itself incredibly quickly. Like it's a 12 second turnaround where someone's just like establish something, keep establishing it. And now we're making fun of ourselves for having established this. Um, so parody can like, come out of stuff incredibly quickly. Like it can really like any sort of established pattern can be parodied as long as you understand like the underpinnings of it, like what it's aiming at uh, versus satire is just sort of like, it's by definition, a little more cutting. Like it's, it's sat satirical takedowns are, are, are a long tradition of like in society in general of just like, you know, political cartoons are famous satires yes. where it's just like this person is so stupid for this take or whatever. It doesn't always have to be this person is so stupid, but there it is. It does cut a little deeper. Parody is sort of the shape of something, in my opinion. And then sat satirizing is like the themes about it is what you're you're taking um, to make to make fun of. And uh, both are incredibly effective. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Badger, uh, just last episode, we talked a lot about punching up and punching down. And as you're saying all this, I was thinking, mm -hmm. man, maybe we should have asked you to be on the first episode instead of the second episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, acceptable targets is such an important thing to discuss because, like, all right, we'll just, like, we, we don't have to get into this now because it's not, like, the, the content of the episode. But just really briefly, um... I've been a I've been uh a native he him uh like white appearing cis dude in queer spaces for going on 10 years now and one of the most important things to do as an exercise when you are someone who is in these spaces that generally speaking like white white cis dudes in queer spaces are not the most welcome generally for good reason, because sociologically and like a society was built for us, us as the white he hims, right? Um, so there, there's this there's this group that's sort of trying to trying to take that down and reshape it and remold it into something where everyone is a lot more equal. Um, so it's always fun to be like coming into these spaces and being like having to figure out the boundaries really really quickly, figuring out like, hey, how do I how do I keep um, assuring people like finding yourself having to keep assure, assuring people that yeah no i'm i'm not going to hurt you uh which is like a a uh, a thing that has been well established in queer communities of like okay uh this is an in club and if you're going to screw around in here you can't stay here you have to go um so that whole like don't screw around kind of mentality has always just been something i lived by so Acceptable targets is such a thing I'm passionate about because, like, the last thing I want to do as someone who likes to make jokes and parodies and stuff like that is hurt anyone who uh, doesn't, quote unquote, deserve it. Right. Like, especially with, like, the target of a joke, because uh, it is so, so fucking easy to hurt someone accidentally, not understand why. And because conflict is hard and because people are... Uh, are too nervous sometimes to bring stuff up, you'll never know you hurt them, right? Some most, the large majority of the time, you'll never know you hurt them unless you seek it out and go like, hey, you've gone quiet, what's happening? Um, and a lot of people don't have the awareness to even do that. So establishing boundaries is something that's been like my, my calling card since I was like 22 now, like just kind of in like, hey, you know, boundaries are neutral, good. Um, they don't mean anything. It's important to set boundaries on anything in your life. And especially around topics that people can be sensitive to. It, like, mind your spoons and spoiling things for CW and, like, all of that should be way more normal than it actually is. 
Um, and, and it isn't, it isn't, um, you're not giving up a concession to do it. It's easy to do. Every platform has it in some way, shape or form now. Um, and it, you just, just allow people to opt into what you're doing. Um, and uh, anyway, yeah, so that's my little mini ramble. The, uh, the, the opting in for what, what I'm doing in terms of like, like satire and parody, it's also like why I think a lot of people avoid them. Like avoid satire specifically because some, some folks just don't like how mean it can be, which is like the most valid take I've ever heard. Like if you're, if you're uh, sitting, in, sitting in the hellhole of a crumbling capitalist society – and you're like, all I want to do is like have fun. The last thing you want to do is sit there and listen to someone just being lambasted on YouTube. And like, I get it. Like that is yeah. <laughs> that is a totally totally fine take to make. However, uh, when it's a climate change denier, I I do enjoy it a lot. Uh, so so like, there is a rotten part of me that's sort of like, you know, yes, gladiators, give them both swords. Um, but anyways, the 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 point yes. is add that to the list of acceptable targets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the point is just like every single sociological structure, every single societal structure has a uh, has a rhythm and movement and a breathing pattern. And you have to kind of get used to all those. Um, and usually the only way you're going to find out who you can satirize, who you can parody um, and it be funny and not cruel um, is by spending time in those in those cultures, like in those like we're talking queer culture, like native culture, whatever whatever the culture may be, um, and which is what I think a lot of like big wig studio execs and, and comedians, <laughs> stand up comedians especially, are horrible at this. Um, they get it wrong because they don't have that nuanced understanding of just hanging out in queer spaces. Like if you. If you are a lesbian and you make fun of lesbians, 90% of the time, that's going to be really funny. Um, if you are, if you are uh, I don't know, Dave Chappelle and you make fun of lesbians, that's going to go over like a lead <laughs> balloon. And that's where the backpedaling starts of like, oh, well, you know, they're sensitive. It's like, they're not sensitive, dude. Like, you, you don't let them opt into your, to your comedy. And also, it's not that funny. And also, it's like, you have no basis in that culture, so you don't get to talk like that <laughs> shut up <laughs> like that's just anyway yeah so i we are way off yeah, of the rails um, at this point. <laughs> what are the nuances of each maya take us back into into the minecart here uh, something that's really interesting for me kind of a nuanced area of both satire and parody and this is something that i grew up with is my dad's caricature artist he does this for charities um just kind of something he does with his time and mm -hmm people will pay to see themselves heavily satirized and paradized. Because uh, kind of caricature art yeah. is... It's ultimate opt-in. extreme... You take these extreme features, you make them look wildly out of proportion, but you still have to keep them looking like the person. One of the things my dad does is he always makes the body smaller, the head massive. Uh because it's easy to, like, play with that. Or if they've got kind of, like, weird ears or something he does a lot, is he'll, like, make the ears real big. And it's... He's had to learn how to be careful with those lines over the years, because that's that's real easy to step into a sensitive space for someone. Well, yeah, like, even, even the process of, like, making the body small and the head huge is, like, there are fewer people in my estimation. This is just uneducated estimation. Um, but, like... There are fewer people who um, have like head issues, like head body issues, than like weight issues, right? Like yeah. in terms of self perception. Yeah. So like, so like, there are people who are sensitive about their weight, and that's like a well known societal problem that we've been we all we all done been new about all that shit, right? Like how it's really really unfair for bodies, women in particular. Um, but like. So to immediately be like, okay, well, let's eliminate that as a possibility and always do small body, big head. So you're not pandering to anyone. You're not condescending to anyone by not including that. You're just saying, hey, this is my established style. And then you have weird ears, bro, is like like the, the content of that. I really like that. Like any sort of – and that this is what I mean by like – it's sort of what I was getting at with like opt-in content stuff because like we kind of live in a in a weird space because people don't – 
often get to opt in to satire. And what I mean by that is like TikTok and YouTube shorts and stuff, right? There's no, hey, heads up. Here's what this thing is about. Do you want to watch this? Yes, no. There's no video description. Yeah, a video description and or like in in YouTube shorts case, you just keep scrolling. And like there's no you might get a title. You might notice the title. And that's not enough of an opt in uh, system for people to like not be surprised by someone saying something really wild. And like that really sucks. Like in the in the example you gave of like cartoonist, someone literally paid you to do this. Like that is the biggest form of opt in. Like they they no longer get to be upset about what you create. There's that like mentioned thing. And also you sought out a cartoonist to be satirized. So it's like you are giving 100% opt in there and then you get you get what you pay for. The um but like someone who just randomly stumbles upon like trans jokes on YouTube Shorts, they didn't get to consent to that. Yeah. Like that took them by a complete surprise. And, like, that's the sort of shit that, like, is not okay. Like, satirizing that stuff is, is like, you, there's, there's, a, there's a safe way to do all this. Like, it, it's, it's been invented. Um, anyway, like, it, it's just, like, an odd thing where, like, that, that's sort of what, I, again, what we get at when we go, hey, not, don't punch up. Uh, oh, sorry, always punch up, don't punch down. Because, um, like, the same thing goes with conflict and being empathetic. It's just basic empathy. Like, if someone is in a situation where you feel like they're more sensitive, don't make fun of yeah, them. Yeah, and there's... Like, it, it is really basic. Yeah, <laughs> and there's kind of a recent example of this as well. Uh, at least recent to the date of recording, although by the time this is out, this will probably have long been over. Um, the Titans uh-huh. uh, submersible. When it was yes. going down and people were looking for it, I mean, I know I made jokes about it, and most of my friends did because we're all engineers, and the whole thing's kind of stupid from an engineering design standpoint. And then when it was confirmed, that By, died, this is such a great example. People stopped yeah. for a bit. Yeah. Well, right now Russia's being made fun of with the whole Prigozhin uh, deal, and probably in a few more days the submarine jokes are going to come back. Um, I've seen a lot more after the confirmation of death, a lot more discussions on beyond just satirizing to kind of show how stupid it all was, but actual discussions of, from an engineering standpoint, here's why it was stupid. You never want to do a cylinder Mm -hmm. um, versus a sphere talking about the differences in design against others. And actually something I saw that was really commonly mocked was the game controller. And yeah, the game controller is industry yes, standard. That's, though. that's like not that, that uncommon. That, that, yeah, it's not that uncommon. It, it is weird, yeah, but it's not. Uh, uncommon. We have a whole term for it. The, um, cons, commercial uh-huh. off the shelf. I actually just did <laughs> a major engineering design project over the last year, and we ended up going, yeah, it's just better for a lot of this stuff to just buy it off the shelf than do it yourself. It's not worth the hassle. It's not worth paying the ass. It's not worth the facilities. Because, I mean, if you gave us another year two years and several hundred thousand dollars oh yeah we could do it for you but um who the fuck's given that to college juniors yeah the the one thing i want to touch about the 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 submarine thing the submersible just because like it is exactly what i'm talking about like illustrative and i thank you for bringing that that example up the point at which I decided or like the point at which I realized it was OK to make fun of is when I heard it's 250,000 K a pop, like $250,000 to go down there each. At that point, it's like, OK, these are <laughs> people. like these are people who can who can afford $250,000 to go diving. There is one person on that five person submersible that I wouldn't touch, and that's the 19 year old who likely didn't was living at home, didn't totally have the uh, ability to say no when when your father says you're going with me. Like, I think there's there's probably like familial yeah, stuff that almost certainly force them into it. I don't know him. Don't know his situation, but that's usually how family stuff operates. And also, it's, it's a care. But the other four. Yeah. Also, he had his whole life ahead of him. It's that's sad. That's a tragedy. Um, the other four you you who's who uh, paid to go down there. Including, like, the biggest one was, like, the CEO, CEO yeah. who has a litany of all these <laughs> big talks. And this is the sort of thing where it's, like, 
Like it, it it's it's it is low hanging fruit, but not in terms of like a punching down thing. In terms of like a this is really easy because the guy talked about how immortal he yeah. is, like for the entire run up to the Titan going down, and it was just like, oh man, this all aged like. Damn. Yeah, there, there's also like not there, well. there's a phrase in engineering. It's one I've come across many times. And it's one I'm actually really fond of, and its regulations are written in blood. Every single industry, mm-hmm. new rules are made because someone died. That's what has to happen to mm-hmm. change the rules. Sometimes that's what changes yeah. engineering design processes. That's why incidents like the Challenger, incidents like the um, Hyatt Regency Hotel, I believe it was changed how we design and how we mandate things for engineers today because the mm-hmm. mistakes then killed people choices that were made that put profit or that put expediency over safety killed people and that's what happened with the submarine expediency and profit were put over safety and it killed people yep and uh that deserves to be like listen that deserves to be made fun of like that deserves to be called out and satir- sat- satirization has always been about calling like things like this out um there is there was a tweet I saw going around that made me laugh. I don't totally agree with it, but the the tweet was essentially uh if you can't laugh at this, you're not ready for revolution <laughs> and that I agree with the sentiment, not the text. Um, there is some tragic parts to this. There is some, there's a, there's a dark story behind this, but however, there is also something objectively funny about a bunch of billionaires shoving themselves in a cylinder to go see a a ship. We know everything about already. Like that is pretty indicative of how the the Uber rich spend their time. There's also the irony of the rich person's vessel thought to be impossible to sink sinks rich person vessel goes to look at the thing is claimed to be invincible, and also then sinks. shares some of its name like maya you can't make that up yeah like i'm yeah, jealous the, the name of sharing it. was like from a writing standpoint i'm like i wish i yeah, thought that's this. this is you can't make this up yeah this is this is some crazy shit because i think the dude's name is like stockton rush and some of the shit he says he sounds like yeah stockton rush that's right that what a great rich person name holy god that sounds like those um oh what's the uh the rich man in team fortress 2 oh god yeah Same yeah, fucking yeah. Energy is that yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah, what i'm yeah. talking about that right oh my god it's it's this absurd, you know, adventure crazy, manly man, rich dude who's all about doing these things and pushing these boundaries. And they're, they're boundaries that don't need to be pushed and really shouldn't be pushed for safe uh, innovation. Saxton Hale is his name. Yeah, Saxton That's Hale. That's the name. I was not going to remember that otherwise. For the folks listening who aren't familiar with Team Fortress 2, I really encourage you to look up the lore and look up the comics because... They're hilarious. I just off the wall. Yeah. What's great about Valve, specifically early Valve, is they are so damn funny. Like their comedic writers on Team Fort from Team Fortress 2, like including their press releases about it, their for for a while there, their updates. They had this parody thing every April 1st where something weird would happen. Unlike, you know, speaking about like parody and satirization, they would be like parodying a a dev blog, except for it'd be from the perspective of a person who didn't get the whole hat thing and like would go like he created a perfectly <laughs> balanced 10th character that got scrapped because everyone didn't like his hats. And then they had a hat show and then it goes into incredible detail about everybody's hats and the winner of them. And like it was just like a parody of a day in the life like dev blog stuff, which happens quite a lot. Happened quite a bit back then. Like you'd be able to get access to devs um, in early internet that like now I think they protect themselves a little bit better when it comes to like major conglomerates like like Valve. But um, honestly, that's probably for the best. Yeah, well, it is probably for the best. Yeah, um, especially the whole uh, think tank culture over there but anyway what a, <laughs> as another aside it, it is gen, it is kind of funny sometimes when i think about like wow there is nothing i can talk about that does not have an asterisk under it but like, oh, there's also this horrible thing 
you know like yeah. you have to actively like seek ways to enjoy things despite it like like I, i'm a big movie guy like love love watching movies um and most of the time i go into every project being like so the director's probably a piece of shit but we're just gonna ignore that and watch a movie and then if i really really feel like punching myself later i'll uh i'll look up like what the director did um oh boy yeah but like anyways um yeah but so so like the the other thing that i'll always say is that one of the things that is the safest but it's the hardest to pull off i think is self parody um because it requires an a an a establishment um of a pattern that the audience gets and comments on, right? Like you have to have kind of audience engagement in order for them to fully engage with the self parody. Uh, I've managed it exactly one time um, during like, I have a, like a 330,000 plus piece of writing. I believe. Yeah. A very long fic fanfic uh, in the arcane fandom uh, where I established uh, a phrase over and over and over again throughout the entire run. And then one chapter, <laughs> I had it come up like five times, like over and over and over again. Oh gosh. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like a moment of like self parody where it was just like, okay, I've done this for 25 chapters. The audience expects a certain thing. Now I'm going to subvert the expectation by being like, here's the title over and over and over again. Cutting. It also serves as a bit of a filter for the folks who kind of take the wrong way with fix, having fun with it. Yeah, I think like well, fanfic writing in general is is a weird space of artistic creativity where um, people come in with their own baggage and put that on you in ways that I don't think they do with commercial authors, um, and so which is why it's it's hard to be funny in writing specifically. There's a there's a mental block there because I think that we as like a crew as like a society crew. I don't know why I'm calling like the human race a crew, but you know, you know, me, you me, know me and the gals and pals, you know, uh, rolling on up to read a book, but no, like I think comedy, we're used to comedy being spoken word. We're used to comedy being like physical and seeing it. Um, but writing comedically, writing something that's funny is very, very hard. Uh, I think, um, and it's it's hard to be funny because, first of all, the audience knows that you're trying to be funny. When you write a comedy book, they expect it, they expect to laugh. That puts a weight of expectation on something that isn't um, that doesn't like conduce itself to uh, to fucking like a, a fun audience experience where you can just kind of like laugh. Like it's the same sort yeah, of thing as it's, as your friend it, being. It's like, hard because yeah. part of what makes things funny is a subversion of expectations, and if you're expecting it subversion of expectations it gets a little weird there yeah well it's the same sort of thing where i think that a friend of yours saying oh man you're gonna be shocked you'll be less shocked now it's the same deal where it's like i'm funny and it's like okay well do something funny make me laugh is like the expectation so i always try to aim for um especially with comedy i always try to do it in things where like that's not the main point like it's gonna be there's gonna be funny shit all throughout it but for the most part it's it's like a straightforward romance or whatever and the the key things there is like for instance making a super rich person not know how to turn the scent from my iphone feature off like that's that's very funny every time it pops up (laughs) like just a very short thing about like just like like you know this this defines in one sentence that this person is awful with technology um yes um it's that's kind of the way i approach uh, comedy in my works as well. So I don't set out to be funny necessarily. I don't tell you from the outset, aside from the tags, that there's going to be funny shit here. But and I don't. I don't write comedies. I write stories, and then I put in funny jokes that make me laugh. Yeah, that that's truly it. Like for for writing stuff, I think like the key thing is like make yourself laugh. And if you and if no one else gets it, well, at least you you got a chuckle from you, the real audience. Yeah, there's there's seven billion people on this earth. Actually, I think we're closer to eight now than seven, so I should round up and say eight. But I digress. Um, there's gonna be someone else out there who laughs at the things that make you laugh. 
Yep. Like, that's just going to happen, statistically speaking. And that's probably your platonic soulmate. So hold on to them and never let them go. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them in the cage overnight if you have to. Um, Break out the sledgehammer and the blo- wood block if you have to. That's right. That's right. That You don't get to leave. You're here because you laugh at my jokes and this is a healthy relationship. That's what you say to them over and over and over again. Yeah. Like, I, I love I love both of these topics so so dearly, like parody and satire. Like, my favorite movie of all time, Airplane. I'm not saying everything in Airplane has aged the best, but um, it, like, has, like, a laugh a minute and it's a very clear parody of a whole bunch of things. Like it slaps the ball in. It's like it's it's like the time capsule of cinema up until that point. And one of my favorite ones is like the 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 movie is about an airplane that well ostensibly it's about an airplane that uh has a malfunction and has trouble landing. That's the entire plot. But in there, there's a recurring character that keeps saying like, ah, it was the wrong day to quit smoking, or it's the and then that starts to ramp I, up to. I sure picked a bad week to quit sniffing glue. Exactly. Like it starts the the joke starts to like roll forwards and it becomes like a thing of like it's the it's the gritty I'm too old for this shit guy um who but his vices are getting incredibly worse as they go. I think I think my favorite joke well my next favorite joke after that one from Airplane is the the protagonist's drinking problem. Oh yeah, where he throws <laughs> Every, he can't put he, it in his he mouth. He can't put water in his mouth. Every time he lifts the cup, he starts shaking and pours it all over himself. He's, he literally or has like, a physical um, problem drinking. The the other the other really good one that the, like this is what I I'm it all it all is rolling to a later point. But the other thing that I really like about airplane specifically is the I just want you to know that uh, uh I'm very proud and we're all rooting for you, which the character does three different times at more and more inappropriate moments. Um. <laughs> And like, so what parody essentially is, is we've taken the structure of the thing and the innards, we've spread them out on a table and figured out what's, what works about this, right? They're like, okay, so here are the basic, basic structure of how this works. Now we're going to put it all, assemble it all together in the wrong order, make everything shifted to the left, and then we're going to do constant escalation. So most parodies... Uh, Scary Movie is another example of this. Not a great parody, but at the time, no one was doing this. Um, Where it's like every joke has the shape of a horror movie plus escalation. Like all it is is just making these moments bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, And ideally, at the end of that escalation, you get a laugh and then you just kind of can move on to the next bit. Um. But like satire in in contrast to that is going incredibly deep on one specific point of view. Uh, a really good example of this for video game nerds is No Man's Sky, the release of No Man's oh. Sky, which which disappointed everybody and prompted like 45 to 50 video essays all screaming about how it wasn't what they wanted. Then H Bomber guy released a video that is a legitimate critique and review, but with him yelling the entire time. So it's him basically being like, hey, guys, this is incredibly stupid the way that you guys present this as like, a, am angry, man. I'm going to be shouting at 300 decibels the entire video. So I'm going to do the same thing, except talk about why the game works and why it doesn't for 12 minutes. And it's unwatchable. Like it's it's it is absolutely unwatchable. Like I can't I love H Bomber guy. I cannot stand that video. And I think that's the point. The point is that like. This is a bad way to present your argument. It's a bad way to present to an audience, and it's an awful way of getting your information across. Stop it. Was his entire yeah, so satire is like it's critique. Yeah, it's critique uh, by doing the thing you're doing. Essentially, um, yeah, like the the SNL sketches of Donald Trump are very good. Set well, they're satirization for sure. Right? Their quality is incredibly suspect day to day. But um, the uh, the the satirization of just like, I'm going to say what you said just back to you, but dumber. Like when when your friend, when you say, man, I'm hungry, your friend goes, man, I'm hungry. That's satirization. It's just not good. Or hi, hungry, I'm dead. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is. That is what my friends are more likely to say to me. Yeah, I, th- I guess that is also satirization because you're just like, haha, 
I'm taking your thing and throwing it back at you. Uh, uh-huh, grammar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> grammar, yeah. But like what, what's I find really fascinating about par- parody, satirization, all that stuff is that in written works, it's difficult to discuss ones that work. I think we have plenty for movies, for podcasts, for um, movies, podcasts, uh, video and audio vi- visuals in general. But like the written word is weird because it's hard. Well, in order to par- satirize something that's written word. You need to first, like, write it and, like, the things that you're most likely to satirize as written word is other written works. So it's like, you're just sort of like, okay, (laughs) how do I sustain this for fucking, like, 150 pages? (laughs) Like, it just, it's, it's like, this is why, like, The Onion exists, because it's short and quick. Right. It's like, yeah, you, you make the joke, you get out of there. The headline is sometimes the entire onion article and that's fine. Like all the way back to the submersible, the headline, um, sending another group of billionaires after the first group of billionaires, that headline is very funny. Um, but like, you don't need to have the article at that point. That's the joke. The joke has been told and you just get out. Yes. Um, but like doing a satirical novel or satirical, like 10 K plus I'm I, actually, as I'm talking about this, like, I want to try doing this now, but like, uh, you got it. You got to try it. Yeah. I don't know how well it'll go, but I can definitely try it alone, write it and be like, yeah, this is bad. And then never tell anyone. Uh, <laughs> I've done that with so many things. You, you type something out, you look at it, you're like, oh, God. And then you just, like, save it, close it, and move on to the next thing. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of things where I'm like, this is going to be great. And then I'm like, why did I think this was a good idea? What crack was I smoking? Yeah. The- uh, there, there's a bunch of works in my drive that will never see the work of day because they're not good. I, 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 I think, yeah, like that, that, that's just part of the creative process, like scrapping stuff. Like I remember when I, every time I finish something, I'm like, I feel like I left something on the table and that's sort of the feeling you want Yeah. Uh, you, versus like, you gotta leave stuff I, I was out of gas on that one. <laughs> it was like, there's three more yeah. chapters. <laughs> gotta, gotta fight through this. Yeah. That, that's a lot of, that, that agrees a lot with my personal approach to the creative process is you. You aren't trying to cram stuff in. Mm-hmm. You want to trim it down to its bare bones and just put out what has to be there. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I'll also say about satire and parody with regard to like when to do either. Um, because like we, we've talked a lot about how punching down is inappropriate. Punching up is okay. And we talked a lot about how like, being in communities and steepled within them allows for better parodies of those communities without offense, because you, you get the nuances of how those communities and cultures and uh, segregated groups of society, like interact. Um, But like, when it comes to like, if, if you're sitting there thinking like, is this appropriate? The, the best way to describe the process of it is like, interrogate the person in you who is wanting to do this and the whys of that. Um, I, I'm sorry for all the personal examples. Cause I, I, I do parody a lot and satire a lot, but um, there's a tweet that it used to exist. That was incredibly, um, incredibly oh, no. misogynistic. Uh, and it started with a character being like, Hey, want to tell, want to hear a joke? Uh, and it was just like, yeah, but you're only popular because of, because of your cup size essentially was the joke. And it's not very funny. Um, and so my immediate response was to quote, tweet it and say, Hey, do you want to hear a joke? And the first, second character saying, is it funny? And the first character saying no. And that's the entire tweet. (laughs) Um, and in that, and in that moment, it's like the reason I did that, they're like, and before sending tweet, I'm like, why am I doing this? And the answer was because it was like, this is gross and sexist and weird that you've done this. Um, It was another sort of thing where just kind of like, you're like, you're not in the community that is allowed to make jokes like this. Like it was a, uh, it was like an outsider in the sense of like, it was a straight white dude trying to make a joke about like cup size or whatever. And it just sort of like a, this really isn't your place. (laughs) Like if you haven't, um, like if you haven't spent a ton of time around 
like female only society stuff. Like you can hear you their their jokes about cup size are funny. That's the difference between their jokes and our jokes about it. Like my jokes specifically about it. Like because I don't know how to make a good bra joke because I've never had to wear one wear one for an extended period of time. But like my wife kills with it. Absolutely kills with it because she's fucking spent time with it. It's just that it's really is that simple. Like so satirizing that was just sort of like a eh, you need to take this down. Like <laughs> I think I think you need to delete yeah. this tweet in a bad way. Um so like that's sort of like interrogate that side of you that's going like is it appropriate for me to be making this joke and why am I making this joke? And if the reason is just to be funny, that's actually not that good of a reason for for satire specifically. Like usually there is a intent behind it. Um and if if it is just to I want to make this one person in my life laugh, then maybe share it with that one person instead of going global with it. Um, and if you don't care about hurting people, um, then you won't do the step anyways. So I'm not even talking to you, right? Like that's that's the other side of it. It's just like the the folks who the folks who make jokes like this that are hurtful. Um, and people say, I can't believe that you decided to do that. It's like, well, they didn't even really go through the decision-making process. They just sent it because they don't give a shit. Like, because they're that, yeah, if they're you that don't, rotten. Like, if you don't care about hurting people, I'm surprised you made it 40 minutes into this episode, <laughs> let alone through the previous episode. And if you've been listening for a while, how in the hell did you make it through the entire first season? Oh, we, we lost a lot of them during the punch-down, punch-out section, punch-up segment. Like, they, they dipped. Um... But yeah, it's it's so like when when each when is each appropriate is just like parodies. I honestly think that like parodies are like love letters in a lot of ways too. Like usually they're from people who deeply understand the source material and are like, I'm gonna lambast. Like Spaceballs is like a love letter to Star Wars as much as it is making fun of Star Wars. Um, and like so like that sort of stuff is just sort of like you are clearly a huge dork about this like go off, like sing your song, uh, sing it with your chest. Uh, but like for satire, there's a lot more care that needs to be put into it. Um, and most of it is just like literally just asking yourself, Hey, yo, why, why are you, uh, why are you up to this? Uh, and if the answer is because I think it'll be funny, like in some instances, that's okay. But like, you do need to figure out why, the urge is to make that joke. And if the, ur- if the reason why is like, Oh, because I have deep seated, um, phobic phobias against certain like cultures, classes, religion, sexes, then it's like, okay, well don't do that. Then <laughs> like, don't stop <laughs> release, release the, uh, the left click button. Yeah. Okay. Get off of Reddit. Get off of 4chan. Yeah. Take a breath. Yeah. Well, mostly the take a breath stuff. Um, I think most of conflict boils down to like, not interrogating the self in terms of like, why are you, why are you making yeah. these decisions? Yeah. There, there was an incident that is this episode, the previous episode are both very um, relevant to any sort of role that I moderate um, where it was just kind of a person in question didn't really even think that what they were doing could hurt people. And that even if it did, those people deserved that hurt anyways. Yeah, that's an incredibly hard line to walk. Um, but they deserve it is okay. So like the real reason why you punch up and not down, right? The real reason that you punch up and not down is that the, did they deserve it kind of becomes yes. And who cares, right? Like if you're taking pot shots at a world leader or an incredibly, or a billionaire man baby who bans the word cisgender, for instance. Um, <laughs> like if you if you are targeting those people and like the do do they deserve this thing is like, well, yeah. Like, yes, they do. They <laughs> also, who cares? Like the the uh but like if you're if you're doing a thing where you're like, oh, but all these this blanket group of people deserve to be hurt anyways, so shrug aspect of it is just like I don't dig that man like i don't vibe with that like the it, it, it truly is the difference of context of like what is the group that you're targeting in relation to you and then in relation to the world like it, I, I think that there it's an incredibly 
it's 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 there's a ocean of difference between uh men really do be like blank versus like trans girls really do be like blank like there's an ocean of difference between those two statements it, there is a lot of difference it's also it depends on who's making that joke because both of those can be really really awful, yes depending on exactly like I, I i'm speaking from like my perspective like if i were to be if i were to just start talking about like trans girls or whatever there would be eyebrows raised because like i'm not one and i mean if, if you made like a follow new vegas joke i'd probably <laughs> Okay, there is a thing with Fallout New Vegas, though. Like that's real, right? Like that—that is—that is. That is <laughs> it is a very funny pattern. It is very um, real. <laughs> what's probably my favorite part about all of it is that my friend, who is biggest on Fallout New Vegas, big enough that because of Fallout New Vegas, he wrote an entire D and D campaign set in the Fallout universe, set in the city that we all grew up in. And we played it for at least like a year or two, I think. Mm-hmm. Completely cis. There's no like he's he's done the gender questions. He's there's no question about it. And so it's it is definitely a bit of a stereotype, along with the um, the CS and the programming and the, the thigh highs. Um, <laughs> thigh highs, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I I am um, I'm so fortunate that uh, when I was when I was 22, I met a I met a trans like. The, at the top, I mentioned being in queer spaces for 10 years. And my gateway, my gateway person to that was this woman named Elena, who actually got her Canadian visa recently and is going to be uh, living in Ontario, which like we might actually get to hang out in person a lot more, which I'm very excited about. Uh, but yeah. Oh, wow. Big congratulations. Yeah, she, she's stoked. Um, but um, she I met her on a role play site. Uh, and she was the first trans person that I had, I had ever talked to and like, like gotten personal access to like, not in like public or whatever. And that was the start of like, um, several barriers that I had to break through in terms of like, just like as a, again, white appearing, uh, cis dude, I had a lot of like privileges stuff that I had to reexamine. And she was like the first person that to do that. And she was currently playing. Uh, I, I believe she was either currently playing or or then then went on to play Fallout New Vegas, like somewhere in that that first year of meeting. And it was just like a moment of like, oh, <laughs> stuff from her where like that's where I first heard that joke. And I was like, wow, that's an old joke. And it's a good joke. The, but it is absolutely you're right. It is a stereotype. It does depend on who's making it. But um, yeah, it's um kind of funny because for me the first time i uh had contact with a trans person um was someone who i later invited onto the first podcast i did on one of the first episodes where i was actually kind of in charge of that uh actually mm-hmm. and that directly led to me cracking my egg and realizing a lot of things about my own gender yeah and, and like <laughs> and you mentioned like the other thing too is just like the, the questioning stuff like questioning self like interrogating the self there's one thing that for, hey for people listening at home hey Hi, it's me, Badger. Interrogate the self. Ask yourself questions. And and I'm not even like, we can narrow it down to why that's a good idea in so many different categories, but just generally just talk to yourself. Like talk to yourself, figure out why you think the way you do about some stuff. Um, it'll make you funnier. It'll make you a better writer. It'll make you a better fandom participant. It'll make you a less toxic person to be around. You have nothing, nothing to lose and everything to gain to ask yourselves, why am I feeling this way? And if you don't know how to ask yourself, why am I feeling that way? Find out. There's lots of resources online that you can you can look for that are just pertinent questions to ask the self. Um, and it'll it'll like I guarantee you it'll it'll help you become better at conflict management. It'll better at it, it'll be make you feel better about avoidancy and how and avoiding conflict with people. It'll help with your diplomacy in terms of like I feel statements. Like it'll make you feel more in touch with yourself when you're talking to people. Um, a lot of people talk about charisma as if you can't help your charisma. And to certain degrees, you can't. But the one thing that you can do is just get better at talking about yourself. And the best way to do that is to go to the source, which is you. So 
if you're if you're ever feeling like uh, this this didn't make me feel good and I'm feeling away and you're the I know the instinct is to immediately react right like everyone wants to just react immediately it does help everyone to just take a beat and think like why am I reacting this way um and then if you're you get so good at it that your first reaction that kick will be the one that's most true to yourself anyway that's my little two bit. But like it, ask yourselves questions. You might crack your egg like Maya does and go through, go through a big change and think things, things change for you. And uh, we love to see that, but it, it might just be as simple as like, I am, but my parents in religion made me, made me misogynistic and I need to work on that. Like, and that was the big thing for me. It was just like the discomfort around homosexuality turned into latent bisexuality and I am much happier as a bi dude than I ever was as a straight man. So, like, it always helps to just look into yourself a little bit. Don't be scared of that that person. That person's your friend. They've been there since you were born. Anyway, Maya, <laughs> once again, lead us back yes. from the darkness of this podcast. Uh, the ADHD talking hour, everyone. Um, one thing that I want to talk about, and this is going to be a bit of a hard transition because... Ouchie. Um, is transformative works and how they tie to this because um, you may have guessed this from the title of the episode, but we here at the Fan Fiction Tapes are very familiar with Archive of Our Own. Mm-hmm. And the organization that supports AO3 is called the Organization of Transformative Works. There's a reason for that. Uh, and some of this is going to bring up US specific law. Laws are different everywhere generally. Um, but Parody and fan fiction in the U.S. are actually legally, like, cousins, if not outright siblings. And, like, how they're protected. It's... Things are actually, I believe, very different in the U.K., uh, where if you call J.K. Rowling a turf, you can complain to the government and get you arrested. Hmm. Good thing we don't have to follow that. Uh, J.K. Rowling's a turf, just in case it wasn't clear. Um, yes, that is a, the belief that I hold personally. Um, and it happens to be true, which is handy. Anyway, sorry, I couldn't go on my, (laughs) (laughs) um, whether there, there are these works that you take something that's already out there in the world. Someone else has already gone to the effort of making arcane and you go, okay, that's cool. But what if I did this and you change substantial things about the work and parody's doing that same thing, right? In fanfiction, you go, okay, well, what if Vi and Caitlin met when they were, like, five, and they became best friends? And, you know, all this terrible shit was kind of avoided because people could talk to each other. Communication. Shocker. Uh, that's a pretty classic fanfic prompt, but you also... Uh, Badger mentioned Spaceballs earlier parodying it's very very clearly taking heavily ideas and plot from star wars but it's making fun of a lot of what star wars did i actually haven't seen Spaceballs so yet i've been meaning to i have it on my watch list i just need to get around to it it's mel it's mel brooks <laughs> and that's good and bad uh so <laughs> it is a very mel brooks movie it's not the most mel brooks movie but it's up there yeah it's it's all about taking stuff that's out there in the world and playing with it and there's there's legal protections for that. Um, part of that is actually the result of AO3 and the Organization of Transformative Works. That's kind of one of the cool things that allows this podcast to be out there is because we are talking about books we've read, shows we've watched, movies we've watched, podcasts we've listened to. Actually, I don't think we've mentioned podcasts very much on this show. Um, oh, I've, so I've we, got a couple now under my belt that I can actually talk about. But yeah, like... It's an unmined, uh, unmined or vein of podcast narrative stuff. <laughs> I didn't realize it existed yeah, until a friend of mine, a, a young ghost, was like, you should listen to this. And I did. And I was like, wow, this bangs. I can't believe I've never done this before. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, go on. I, um, I, I didn't listen to podcasts much before doing this podcast myself. Um, and a couple of weeks ago in the kitchen, I started listening to Dimension 20 which is very, very funny. A lot of politically apt jokes in it. Um, I love the halflings. The cubbies. Yes, they're hilarious. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. 
There is you talking now, folks. <laughs> I um I do think that like yeah, transform transformative works as some so like my big my big thing right now is writing fan fiction. So I obviously feel very very strongly about about transformative works and how parodies do rise above the the original works because they they change them foundationally. Um and uh it it's so good um when a parody like I, I think that's the mark of like a truly good parody is when they hit the marks so well that they work on their own as an example of what they're parodying right like the the Spaceballs is the running example but like Spaceballs works on its own as a sci-fi movie while parodying operatic sci-fi movies um in many many ways uh the princess bride is a parody of these fantasy stories with like the princess and the, and the, uh, the knight while being an example of all of them. Um, so you have jokes about are you ROUSs as well as like a genuinely at times touching love story. Um, and if you just chart for the princess bride, it hits the, the, uh, the hero's journey pretty well on the mark in terms of just like a little, little medieval fantasy story. Um, but yeah, like, I think that that's, that's the mark of a true parody is when it becomes like a truly good parody is when it becomes transformative. Like there's there, we, none of us are going to sit here and say, oh man, the scary movie movies, they really worked as horrors because they didn't and they never will. The entire time you're watching that, you're like, this is a parody. Um, uh, Cabin in the Woods is also a parody of horror. Cabin right? in the Woods is the absolute golden example of like a, a parody horror movie because it's funny. That's uh, one of the only horror movies I've actually seen. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's funny, but it's also just very clearly taking the piss. And, um, but also like is a horror movie. Like it's legitimately, it follows the horror movie very faithfully. Um, and uh, while the in universe trying to make fun of all these tropes and little hangups that, uh, horror movies have. So yeah, like I think parody is weird in that sense. They're just like it truly, when it truly becomes transformative, that's when it works best. Like that's when it's cooking with gas. Um, yes. And actually kind of speaking of parody, there's this weird, almost, I don't quite want to say sub genre, but like weird parody type thing that's unique to fan fiction. I don't really see it. I think anywhere else, uh, and it's called crack, um, <laughs> spelled like the drug for uh, our listeners who haven't um, done any fan fiction reading at mom and dad. It's absurd. It is often drawn to be bizarre mm -hmm. absurdism in the extreme. And sometimes with some of it, there is a series that actually a friend of mine does for the Ruby fandom that is a parody of bad fan fiction style. It's crack. It's there's a blatant author self-insert, there's bad grammar, there's intentional formatting errors, but it's also there to have a good time. It's not there to be mean. And that's that's one of the unique things that I really like about fan fiction is you could just have bizarre out there stories. They're just you're there, you're having fun. Yeah. I think crack is weird. Um, and I, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, state my biases <laughs> at the top here. Like I'm not the biggest crack fan, uh, that goes for the drug as well as the, the fanfic thing, you know, D didn't care for it, but the crack enters into that thing we were talking about before, where it sets an expectation when you tag something as crack, because like the really bad crack is look at like that sort of like goofiness. Yeah. It's haha, -ha, so funny. Yeah, random. it's 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 rar XD levels of. I just totally came to everyone at everyone who was who uses rar. Uh, if you use rar <laughs> XD unironically, you're valid, and I love you. I just want to say, um, I I'm, I'm more speaking, I guess, to the like the the culture of randomness that invaded my Facebook feed from 2005 to 2010 um, when Fallout New Vegas was released and. You know, we all heard <laughs> around the nation. Anyway, um, but the the uh, 
the like crack I've never been a huge fan of, but that said, there has been two I can think of that legitimately made me laugh. And they were both things that like entered at an 11 out of 10 and just rose to 15. Um, And like, like there's also like subtle versions of crack where like, Hey, what if uh, (laughs) this is a very specific example, but it also happens to be very good, very good fic. Uh, Hey, what if, uh, what if Vi invited Caitlin to a D and D session, but Caitlin thought it was a BDSM session. Um, and like it, it, it is legitimately so uncomfortable, so cringy, so excellent. It's like the best version of crack for me, where it's like this is crack. It's crazy that this happened, but everyone leave your <laughs> everyone buy into my universe right now because it's silly, and then we can make some fun. Um, and it like really hits that cringe comedy element of it. Like it's it is not for everyone because a lot of people just like crawl out of their skin during the misunderstanding part of it, which is super valid because it's, oh, it's yeah. real I, I, I would probably crawl straight out of my yeah, skin. It, it's uh, real Cause rough. I get, I get major secondhand anxiety yeah. anytime anyone in a show is like, there's a lot of kids shows where like, I won't be able to watch episodes like Avatar, She-Ra. There's episodes of those shows that I can't really rewatch because I, I have to leave the room if the episode is on. I get so much social anxiety. Yeah, well, there's something about your main character being uncomfortable that as an audience member, you're like, oh, I know why you're doing this as a writer, but I'd love it for you to stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, like, that's the sort of crack that I love. And it's like this more subtle crack, I guess, where it's like the crack part of it is that this is clearly a ridiculous misunderstanding. Uh, and then the story gets mined from that premise. Um, yeah, there's a, there's an arcade one I'm going to have to send you. That, I don't know if you'll find it funny. I find it funny because I'm an engineer. Um, or, well, engineering major, but eh, semantics for the purposes of joke. Um, it's I find it fucking hilarious because it's it's these absurd situations of what the fuck. Um, but it doesn't quite lean into some of that stuff about crack. It can be uncomfortable, which is why I like it and why I've gone back and read it like 20 times. Yeah. Like I, another, the other one real quick before we move on, the other one that I really, really enjoy is, um, Vi is a toxic gamer and Caitlin is a stream girl. And like, that is, that is the entire (laughs) thing. Like it doesn't go any deeper. And it's just, so just stuff like that. We're just like, yeah, Hey, so I'm going to go ahead and do my thing here. Uh, I need you guys to like clear the runway and let me cook. Um, and, and once an, uh, once a fanfic author does that, like I'm about to start cooking and like me as a reader, I'm like, I don't know where this is going, but I'm, I'm along for the ride or whatever. Like, I don't want to get off Mr. Bones's wild ride. And like, that's the sort of thing where it's like, that's what crack can do. Crack can be like Mr. Bones's wild ride, get on or get out. Um, God, I love crack. I also don't like crack very much. It's a weird thing. Uh, I'm glad it exists is my thing. <laughs> like, I'm glad it exists and people out here are, are speaking their truth as a, as an audience member, nine times out of 10, it's not for me. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things that's uh, both great and terrible about the open nature of fan fiction. Yeah. The low barrier to publishing means some really great stuff that just would not do well going through traditional methods that, you know, CEOs would see that and go, Fuck that noise. That stuff can get through and really, really shine. But also it means there's a lot of stuff that some of the filters of traditional publishing keep out and are good to keep out because it's not fun. Yeah, like fan fiction, the, this is going to be a whole diatribe on fan fiction that I might it might be worth doing a whole like episode about it. But like the idea of fan fiction being both for the reader and the author is very important um, because it is, it occupies a space for both and both get ideas and both get like feed positive feedback from it. It is pure expression and pure creation in its best form um, because no one's doing it for anything other than the want to create. Um, So you get people who get their fix off of reading fic that they didn't quite get their fix from reading the original work and you get people who want to express themselves creatively don't really have an outlet publishing is hard 
So they go to, I'm going to make my Blorbo's kiss. Um, and like, there's something beautiful and like simple about that. And I would never, ever, ever say to someone like, you can't create your truth because I don't like it. Like that's, that's never something that I'm going to take a position on. Um, now like there, there is nuance here for like some, like it gets into the murky waters of head cannon and I'm not really interested in like going over all that unless we have like a lot of time, but the, yeah, that would, that would be a whole episode. On it would itself. be like three parts. Uh, <laughs> Cause there's, there's a yeah. lot to say on the, the topic there's, of head cannon. There's a lot of mess. There, it's incredibly too. simple and it's also incredibly complicated just like humans. Um, but yeah, like it it's uh the 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 point I'm kind of driving at here is that fan fiction scratches an itch that you kind of can't get anywhere else. And like there was a comment that I read once where it was like sometimes alternative alternate universe fanfic is uh just contemporary queer romance in which characters you already have a relationship continue to have a relationship. And like that's the key. Where it's like, you already have a relationship with these characters. You already like them. You already like what they do. And that just continues. You just get more of that. Um, Which is why, like, it is genuinely insane when people try to kill it. Um, Because it's like, you realize this is just more engagement. Like, we like the thing you did so much. We want to do more of it. And for free. Like, the, the for free thing is like the underscored. Like none of us are getting anything out of this uh unless you're god yeah uh, in which case your patreon's probably <laughs> full up like so anyway yeah well we are uh quite a bit over time actually and there was a little bit more we wanted to get to but i also have to get to D. um <laughs> fair enough ian have we gotten anything new in the mailbag in the last hour or so since we checked uh, no, that is still empty. So if anybody wants to write us a nice letter, um, you can email that to us. Our address is fanfictapes at gmail.com. I'll also make sure to put that in the description so that uh, people know how exactly that is spelled and maybe it'll format into a link you can click. Uh, I believe we also have a Twitter. Yes, Maya? Yes, we are at Fanfiction Tapes on Twitter. Nobody sent us anything yet, but if there's something you want us to read on the show and you don't want to email it to us and prefer Twitter for some strange reason, uh, I mean, you do you, but if you prefer it, we're on there as well. Send us stuff. We'll be sure to put it on air if you want, or just keep it off if you'd rather keep it private and just send us something. And, of course, you can also leave us a comment on our YouTube channel or leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast service you use to listen to this. Hell yeah. I am and have always been Maya. I was joined by... Uh, I'm Badger. I'm not sorry anymore. Dylan Dylan isn't here to apologize to again. Uh, next time I'm on and Dylan's <laughs> here, I will continue to be sorry. But for now, I'm still Badger. And I'm Ian. Until next time... Bye. Later days.